You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Jordan, always appreciate you hopping on. How you doing tonight, man? Adam, doing all right, man. I like the uh, personalized bite there for me right there. I know, right? And, and he got your name right, too, as opposed to some other coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wink did call me uh, Pat Leonard uh, last week. All right, Jordan. I told him that's the ultimate insult. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Pat. Uh, All right, let's get to this game. As as I hear the I hear the windshield wipers going (laughs) on your on your commute home, presumably. But you know, obviously, long 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 day out there. Weather certainly didn't help anybody who was out there not wearing uh, Philadelphia Eagles colors. But really, Jordan, the the way I look at it, the first time all season that it just felt like the Giants were completely outclassed. And that's something that we had grown accustomed to in recent years, whether it was Shermer or whether it was Judge coaching. Uh, What is the feeling that you had leaving MetLife Stadium today? Yeah, I mean, look, they just couldn't compete with that team. I mean, that Eagles team is so much better than them. They have talent all over the place. I actually thought, I I said before the game, I had someone that was sitting next to me, I I thought the Giants were going to lose by 20-something. Like, I really did. Like, just the positions that they have injured, the lack of depth that they have, the overall talent on the field. I just didn't see how the Giants could hang with this Eagles team. I just, I, I just couldn't see it. And really what I think we're starting to recognize, everything kind of went right early in the year. They maximized the talent to the nth degree, which, you know, give Brian Dable and his coaching staff credit for that. They got a couple bounces that went in their way, like, you know, the end of that Baltimore game. And now things are going against them. They haven't played as well. And you see what happens when they're going against these better teams, right? What happened when they played a better offense against the Lions? They couldn't slow them down. What happens when they played the, the more talented team against Dallas? You know, their flaws start to show. And I think that's really what we saw on full display. The Eagles could have done, Pat, if they wanted to run it, they could run it. If they wanted to pass it short, mid-level, deep, they could have done it. Like, whatever they wanted, they would have been able to do in that game. Well, along those lines, I mean, look, the Giants fell behind 21 nothing, and then in the third quarter they get that second touchdown, and all of a sudden it's 27-14, and you're like, okay, well, maybe they can make a game of this. And it's almost like the Eagles had lost concentration for a few minutes there because right when the Giants got back to within 13, they turned it on and they immediately marched back down the field, and the Giants yeah. never had a chance after that. Yeah, that was, that was the game right there, obviously. I mean, look, when they scored that first touchdown early in the game, like, they stopped the Giants, they get the ball, they go down the field, they're converting third downs left and right. The Giants could not stop them on third downs early in the game, uh, the first two drives. And, you know, and then they, once they get that early depth, this Giants team, that's not their recipe for success. Once they're in that spot, especially against a better team, it was over. And then the punt happened, which was, God, what was that play? I've never seen that in my life. Have you Have you ever seen that, Pat? No, I, I didn't know I, that was the rule. To be I did not know the rule either. No, I thought it was th- that's all you could do, but and obviously that hurt them too. Yeah, and then once that happened, I mean, they gave the ball like the thirty-yard line. It was over. One so play. It was just yeah, exactly one play. I mean, I mean it was a lot of one plays. So the fourth down touchdown is just a bonehead play by Julian Love, which kind of bothered me after the game from the Giants' perspective. They were like, yeah, he was going for the ball. Like, I get it, he was going for the ball. 
But you don't go for the ball. I mean, you don't. He was going for the interception. He thought he could have the interception. That's fine. You don't need to go for the interception there. That's the whole point. Like that's why it was a bonehead play there. Just go to knock the ball down, high point it, right? And you're giving them the opportunity to make the great play. And the next thing you know, Devonta Smith's running into the end zone, and that game was over. Yeah, it was still a game when that happened. It's fourth down, and you're only down seven to nothing. I mean, it probably would have turned out a lopsided result anyway. And look, I, I had the same feeling as you coming. Lie, I'm not going to lie, Pat. I sent, I sent a text when they fell down seven nothing to a group text of mine, and I said, we, can, we might as well just go home. Game was over. Like, they weren't going they, they to be able to win this game. You can't fall behind, start trailing, like against this team. Like, look, that, that Eagles team is legit good. Where's their weak point, Pat? No, they're good all over the field. Both sides of the ball, all three levels. They're terrific. Let me ask There's you too this. Too many mismatches. When the Giants are playing, when the Giants are playing, you know, backup players against high-level players, like you just can't expect to win those matchups consistently, right? How are the Giants going to produce consistent offense when Saquon's limited? Like, what are, what are their weapons? Darius well, Slayton and Isaiah Hodges, they're like, they're, they're like the Eagles' Quez Watkins, who's, the, who's yeah. their third guy. That's tough. It's tough. Let, let me ask you about Saquon, because along the lines of what you were saying, before the game, you probably don't think the Giants are going to win that game. The way the first two drives went, you felt like it could be a long afternoon. Do you think the Giants would have been better off not playing Saquon today and resting him for what is going to be a huge game next Sunday night? In the big picture, yes, but that's like this is the NFL in the regular season. Like, should they have rested Daniel Jones? Like, they're better off. Like, best case scenario is to rest Daniel Jones in that whole game too, right? I mean, this the likelihood was they weren't going to win today, but that's just he can't do that in the NFL. He was cleared to play, and let me tell you, Pat, don't think for a second Saquon Barkley's not pushing super hard to get on the field, right? Because, and I had this conversation with him recently. Okay, I said this was this was a couple weeks. This was last week, so before he even hurt his neck. I said, you know, there's a lot of people saying you, you know you haven't played, you haven't put up the numbers. You're either injured or you're wearing down from the heavy workload. He told me that's BS, right? And he's he said I'm just not playing well, like. And so I said, and he's like, yeah, everyone just wants to put that on me, like they want to be negative. I'm like, they're not being negative. They're actually making an excuse for you. They're saying you're either injured. Right? Or you're wearing that from the heavy workload. They're making excuses for you. He's like, no, no, no. They want to put that narrative on me, that, uh, that injury-prone narrative. That matters to Saquon Barkley. That is like his worst nightmare. Is people saying, or other teams saying, because remember, he's a free agent at the end of this year. Oh, look at him. He's injured again. He's missing more games. Jordan Renan covers the Giants for ESPN. It's a great point about Barkley. And you and I have spoken going back to the offseason about how huge this year is for him and how he wants to be out there and get as much work as possible. And and early on, it was obviously paying off to the point where um, he was and really still is the Giants' only offensive weapon. And it's only gotten, it's only gotten more severe from there. I, I don't think we expected the receiving core to be what it is for today. I mean, I think Jones, by and large, has played better than we could have expected at the beginning of the year. I guess, I guess my question for you is, as we look at these last four games. He didn't even play games, poorly today, by the way. 
that he didn't even play poorly. No, he didn't. No, he they didn't. Got blown off the field and couldn't score points. I mean, that's where they're at. Guy did all he could, and he's done that a lot this year. Look, but there's still here's the deal. They're still in the, the the mix of this playoff picture. They could still get in. Are there reinforcements though, uh, Jordan, on the way that can help them over these last four games? Leonard uh, Williams, I think, might end up being back in the next this week, next week. Uh, Xavier McKinney, not so close. Dory Jackson, not so close. Like you were talking at least a couple weeks with those guys. So I don't think you're going to, you know, there's that much sitting there in reserves for the Giants. It is what it is at this point. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing with Saquon to me. It's, I just think when you're playing a higher level of competition, it becomes harder, right? And when he has, like, literally no other weapons, I don't even think I look at him and he's playing, and I look at him, he's, and I see him physically deteriorated. I really don't. Like, I still think he, he's running pretty good. Like, but they don't have – if you let good teams spend all their resources to stopping him, like, who, who's going to step in there and be able to succeed? Like, you have to – he has to play perfectly. And one of the big things with Saquon that we saw early in the year was – and the Giants team is all – he was leading the league in yards before contact, not yards after contact. Saquon's never a yards after contact guy. He always does. If you go look it up, he always does poorly in that category. He's a yards. If you let him get going, and the Giants were giving him holes where they can get him going. Well, now they are not getting him holes to get going. Teams are totally committed to stopping him, and they don't have another answer because – they don't have another serious weapon on their roster right now. And that's why good teams have two, three, four really high-quality weapons. One guy, I'm, I'm not – it just can't be all Barkley. It's not, to me, he's injured or completely wearing down. Is he as strong as he was early in the season? No, nobody is. That's the part of the, part of the whole running back dilemma in the first place. Guys are not as healthy and fresh. They get banged up. That's why you need more than one guy. How, in hindsight, Jordan, and we're talking with Jordan Renan of ESPN, how disastrous is it that Kenny Galladay can't even be an average wide receiver? Never mind an $18 million a year wide receiver. The ship has sailed on that. How disastrous is it that he can't even be an average NFL wide receiver for this team? Yeah, this is going to go down as an all-time terrible signing if you think about it. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's going to have, like, Zero touchdowns for you know fifty million dollars. That's unbelievable. Zero touchdowns for fifty for fifty million dollars. And the Giants, by the way, are going to have to eat money on him next year too. On top of it, like talk about a slap in the face. Like they're going to Kenny Galladay still owed more another four and a half million next year that you know he'll, he'll get while he's not on that roster. But yeah, that's. An all-time like I don't think you when when all said and done, I don't think there will be a giant signing in history worse than Kenny. It's hard to even contemplate zero touchdowns for fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, you can't do much worse than that. Um, he doesn't, they you, don't even want to play him. He, he's barely playing. He's behind Isaiah Hodgins on the on the depth chart. Yeah, who's doing all he can. That, and that's the the frustrating thing, I guess, is a lot of these guys you see out there. 
are doing all they can, including the quarterback almost. But they're just there's a limit to the talent level they have on their team. And then you look at Philadelphia on the other side. They had their whole roster set up and constructed to win. And then they take a flyer on this second-round quarterback, and they end up hitting the lottery on that, and that's how you build a 12-1 and team. Yeah. the cheap. Look at what the Eagles are paying for their quarterbacks this year. Because Gardner Minshew, I believe, is still on his rookie deal. You're talking about, like, less than $5 million at the quarterback position. So that now lets you go spend the money, roster construction-wise, right, on all these other positions. And that's why they're such a strong all-around roster. The Giants, meanwhile... That's why the Daniel Jones situation is so different. Because now, after this year, like, you have to go pay him. So, are you going to pay for, like, let's say he's an above-average good quarterback, but now you have to allocate 30-plus million dollars or 30, if you use the franchise tag, on your quarterback, and then it becomes harder to stockpile the other positions. So, uh, that's why it's quite the dilemma for the Giants. Yeah, well, we'll get into that in the offseason. Look, the, the fact of the matter is they're, they're still in this playoff hunt right now. And then the, the last thing yeah. Giants fans, we thought we had it all figured out. Giants fans, those of us who cover the team, you know, three teams for two spots. It seemed pretty simple. It seemed pretty clear. And that's no longer the case. Now you got four teams for two spots because the Lions are right there. We saw what they did to the Giants about a month ago. They're playing as well as anyone. So how much more difficult does that make this quest for the Giants to be one of the top seven? Look, I'm not that concerned if I'm the Giants about the Lions. They're at six and seven, right? Yeah. So they get... Look, if the Giants want to make the playoffs, you got to get to at least nine, right? you got to get to nine. You've got to win two games, okay? So if the Giants get to nine, now the Lions, the Lions get to nine, they won't beat the Giants because they'll have a worse record than the Giants. They'll be nine, seven, nine, yep. sorry, not a, the stupid, stupid 17th game. The 17th game, I know. Yeah, I can't, can't get it right. They'll be nine and eight, Detroit. Giants will be nine, seven, and one. So basically, Detroit has to get to 10. So you're talking about winning out at this point. They have to win out. I, I, look, I like Detroit, and I think they're playing great. I just think in the end, they probably won't win out. So it, 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 it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. Now, the Giants, the dilemma is, where, where are we getting two wins at this point? Like, well, you got to look at – They can beat Washington. you got to look at the Colts. Yeah. Yeah, and also week 18, the Eagles after Minnesota lost today, they're playing. They're not playing for anything in week 18. That is that's going to be a winnable game because Nick Sirianni's been super conservative with playing guys in the preseason. Like I don't think he plays anyone at all, really. Uh, so is, is he really going to play guys in week 18 when they have nothing to play for? There's a one seed locked up. Like maybe they play a drive, a quarter, a half at the most. But that Eagles will not. We worrying if we have any care about the result of that game. You know, I didn't get a chance to talk to you, Jordan, after the Washington tie last week. I, I thought there were some encouraging signs because, you know, the feeling we have right now where it's all kind of starting to come apart and catch up to the Giants, I had that feeling after the Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys and the uh, Commanders were playing yeah. so well coming in. And it, Look, I know they made some boneheaded plays in the fourth quarter and overtime that prevented them from actually getting the win. But overall, especially after Washington looked really good, their first couple of drives jumped out 10 nothing. I thought overall the Giants for the first time in about a month showed some really good signs of life. What did you think coming out of that game? 
I did. I mean, I thought those two teams are like they're they're very even teams. Like so, I, I certainly think it bodes well for the Giants. I mean, they they thought they did some decent stuff offensively. The Giants, their defense really locked down and, and settled down in the second half there, uh, for the most part, actually after that big ten nothing deficit until uh, the last drive or second to last drive, whatever it was late in the fourth quarter. So yeah, I thought the Giants' pass rush, and even again today though, you look at their pass rush. The fact that Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau are playing together, that to me is the bright spot on the team right now. Like, Ojolari's playing really well, and Thibodeau's doing some good things as well. Like, it gives me hope for the Giants' future that those two guys are going to be booking, like, edge rushers. And that's something they haven't had in a while. Now, they're completely devastated on the back end, and that shows. And also, they cannot stop the run on the edges. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, they got to figure out, like, Teams just gash them out there. No one even runs up the middle against them. So they're just going to run at your edges the whole entire game, like time after time after time. That worries me. So, But I, you know what? I, I I look at this Washington game as like another toss-up. Like two teams are trying to play exactly the same, uh, and it's going to come down to probably the fourth quarter, which team can make more plays late in the game. And in order for the Giants to do that, though, they need a healthy Saquon. That is that simple can't survive without a healthy Saquon. Is there any way, we know what the expectations were at the beginning of the season. We know how the last six years have gone for this franchise. Um, they start 6-1. and one. They win some really exciting games in London, over Baltimore, even the first game in Tennessee. Is there any way, Jordan, that this season, when all is said and done, can be considered a disappointment? See, there's a difference between disappointment and failure, right? Yes. I think the season. I think I think the season could be disappointing if it ends with them losing losing out, for sure. Like that would be a dis- that would be a disappointing season because it had promise and then they just collapsed at the end. But I don't think it would be a failure if you get what I'm saying there. Like I don't think the season would be a failure, but it could still be disappointing. Yeah, I see the difference, and you're right. Does that, does, that make any, does that make any sense? No, you're right, yeah, because the expectations change over time, and at 6-1 and one, and at 7-2, and two, you obviously have different expectations at that point. Yeah, well, how are you not disappointed if they miss the playoffs? No, yeah. Well, if they lose out, that would be a big disappointment. Um, here, let me finish on this. I know beggars can't be choosers, but if they are able to get in, um, what, what would you have? You have Minnesota... San Francisco and, and God knows what's happening in the South. I mean, let's just let's say want, Tampa Bay for now. You want you want Tampa Bay? That Tampa well, Bay that's not happening so though. That, yeah, but that's not going to happen because Dallas is locked Dallas. in there. Yeah, so it's it's basically Minnesota or or San Francisco. I, I've got to think you'd rather Minnesota if you're the Giants, right? Yeah, no, you don't want any part of San Francisco. The Giants can't score against San Francisco. That's right. They could get it. They could get they could get shut out in that game. Yeah. Yeah, San, San Francisco. Like that, today. that San Francisco defense against the Giants' offense and their offensive line and their and man, yeah, I, they would have a lot of troubles. If, Giants would have to win that game thirteen ten. Like that would be their only chance to win that game. Well, they've done that before <laughs> in playoff games. I know, but your odds, your your margin for error is just so slim. And it was early in the year. Not, I think that's why. A lot of things have started to go against him. That margin for error was so slim. You kind of knew it was going to flip, didn't you? 
At yeah, some that point, wasn't sustainable. Every yeah, Jackson, keep it up. Yeah. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Baltimore, even the way they stormed back against Green Bay. Yeah, you can't keep that up over the course of a season. Yeah, I mean, you just you can't win. You're not going to win every close game. You're not going to be like, oh, we went ten and one in close games. Like, you know, we're not. It's just, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Like that that's against the law of averages. The law of averages, you're basically going to split them, right? Because other teams aren't incompetent. They can do stuff too. They can make a play. The ball can bounce the wrong way. The ball can the oblong ball can just bounce in a weird direction, right? When uh, when Lamar Jackson throws the ball in the air, the two guys can collide, and and you not get the interception. You know, stuff stuff like that. Just, yep. Just bound to happen. So, I'm not overly surprised that they've hit a little bump in the road here, uh, but I would be surprised. And like I said, disappointed if I'm a Giants fan if they don't get one or two more wins here the rest of the way. Well, four weeks to go. It's going to be real interesting. Uh, Jordan, long day for you. I really appreciate you uh, hopping on with us and get home safe. You got it. I'm almost there. I'm almost home. I'm glad I got you home, Jordan. You got a lot of people home as well. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Anytime. Thanks, Pat. Jordan Renan covers the Giants for ESPN. All right, lots to digest there. Look, um, despite what happened today, despite how bad they looked and how outclassed they were by the Philadelphia Eagles, there is some reason for optimism if you want this team to get into the playoffs. Because you're right, or he's right, I should say, and he makes a good point about the Detroit Lions. Yeah, the Lions um, are a factor in the NFC playoff picture right now, but when pertaining to the Giants, Giants, can you find two wins over the last four games? That's really what it's going to come down to. Can you find two wins? They're out there. All right, they got to play better than they did today, and they got to get, like he said, a healthy Saquon Barkley and some other reinforcements as well. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. All right, you know, the bottom line for the Giants, and this was hammered home in our conversation with Jordan Renan, and thanks as always to him for joining us after a long day at MetLife Stadium. But the bottom line is this. The Giants against uber-talented teams are not on that level. And they're not supposed to be on that level. You know, they have trouble with the Dallas Cowboys. They played them twice. They played them close twice. They had second-half leads twice. That's because Dallas is stupid. That's because they're stupid from the head coach all the way through the roster. They're immensely talented, but they're stupid. So they allow teams like the Giants, who play smart and are well-coached, to hang in there. All right? The Eagles have more talent than the Cowboys. They really don't have any holes. They really don't. And they're not stupid. I mean, Sirianni has done a great job as their head coach, changing the culture, setting the tone, and they don't play stupid. And when the Giants are on the same field as a team like that, they are in a different class and not as good as the other team. Not nearly as good. But they weren't supposed to be. I mean, I, I don't think at the beginning of the season the um, the expectations for the Eagles were to be as good as they have been, 12-1. and one. I mean, they might go 16-1. and one. They might go 15-2 and two if they rest everybody week 18, and that would really benefit the Giants. And the Vikings' loss today helped that because now they have a two-game lead over the Vikings. 
They have a two-game lead over the Cowboys, the Eagles do. So if they get to Week 18 and they have the number one seed wrapped up and they have the first-round bye wrapped up, there's absolutely no conceivable reason why they should play Jalen Hurts and all of their starters. There's no reason to do that and risk what could be a long playoff run for this team. The NFC is really interesting right now. And constructing a football team, as the Eagles have done, I mean, we've seen this a lot in recent years. If you can find above average to really good Pro Bowl-level quarterback play before you have to sign that quarterback to quarterback money, that's the whole ticket to winning in the NFL. I mean, Russell Wilson right now, and he left with a concussion today. He threw a pick six. He did rally the Broncos back after falling behind big. They lost 34-28 to the the Chiefs. Russell Wilson comes into the league as a third-round draft pick. He wins the job in Seattle. His second year, they go to the Super Bowl at MetLife Stadium with one of the best defenses in recent memory. They completely dominate the Denver Broncos. And then they go back to the Super Bowl the next year against the Patriots, and they're a yard away from winning that, except they call the wrong play. They don't hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch, and Russell Wilson makes a terrible read and throws throws the Super Bowl away. That team should have won back-to-back Super Bowls. The reason they were in position to do that is because their offensive line and Marshawn Lynch and all three levels of their defense, those were all high-priced, highly paid Pro Bowl-level players that they could pay to have on their roster because their quarterback, who wasn't asked to do too much, was a third-round draft pick making his rookie salary. And then once Russell Wilson, who outperformed that contract, obviously, once he was up for a new contract, he started to get paid money commensurate with others at his position. And he was a really good player. And then the dynamics of the team did change. They were still really good when, in subsequent years, the Seahawks were built around Russell Wilson. But when they started to pay him one by one, Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, um, Earl Thomas, one by one, those players left to find bigger contracts elsewhere because Seattle couldn't pay everybody on the roster, and they were never nearly that Super Bowl-caliber level of team again. That The Eagles have found the sweet spot right now, and what you have learned in the NFL is when you find that sweet spot, you've got to capitalize on that. The Eagles set out to build an entire roster, and then the last kind of piece they were going to figure out was their quarterback. You know, they thought they had it in Carson Wentz, he, he got hurt in 17. They won the Super Bowl anyway. His game was never the same after that. You know, they tinkered with a couple of guys in subsequent years. And then two years ago, or in 2020, they take a flyer on Jalen Hurts in the second round. I mean, it's an amazing story, Hurts is, right? He starts as a freshman at Alabama. Starts day one. Every single game for his first three years, he gets to the national championship game where they're losing to Georgia at halftime, and then they bring in Tua, and he was never the starting quarterback again. He stuck it out, 
and stayed one more year in Alabama. This guy was a backup quarterback after having taken a team to the national championship. He was a backup quarterback for an entire season. And then once Tua was the real deal, Hurts wanted to play, so he goes to Oklahoma. He plays for Lincoln Riley. He becomes a fi- uh, finalist for the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, you figured some team in the later round would take a flyer on him. Well, the Eagles picked him in the second round. They have found gold. He is the perfect guy for what they have. And when you have a team with a dominant offensive line and they make the smart move for A.J. Brown, they traded up, as the Giants well know, last year to pick Devontae Smith. So now you're covered at that. You know, you don't need superstars at every position, but when the infrastructure is as strong as it is with Philadelphia, you need adequate to better than adequate play at quarterback, at running back with Miles Sanders. They're getting that. And as it turns out, Jalen Hurts is a lot better than adequate. You know, he is legitimately an MVP candidate. Now, will he win it this year? I don't think he will. You know, I think Mahomes is the MVP of the league this year, but Hurts will be in the top three. And a big reason for that is the team around him. It's very similar to the Russell Wilson situation. When Wilson came into the league and the the groundwork had been laid at every other position group with Seattle, and all Wilson had to do was, you know, make the smart play, control the offense. When things, you know, hit the open man, when things break down, Use your legs to keep the chains moving. That's exactly what Jalen Hurts does. You know, Hurts isn't asked to go out and do what Patrick Mahomes does, run all over the field and make play after play after play, or what Josh Allen is asked to do, run all over the field and make play after play after play. No, he doesn't have to do that because the rest of his team is so good. And the Giants found that out today. I mean, it it was kind of eye-opening. It's been a great season for the Giants, and... The only, it can't be a failure, right? Let's just say hypothetically they lose their last four games. That would be very, very, very disappointing. Because if you lose your last four games, that means you lost at home to Indianapolis in a game that you had to have. And Indianapolis is a dead team. They got a nice little bump in Jeff Saturday's first game as the head coach after he was hired on a Monday when they beat Las Vegas. But other than that, ever since that, they are a dead team. So when the Giants host them in Week 17 at MetLife Stadium, that's got to be a win. So if you're the Giants, can you find another win? I mean, this Sunday night and a week from now, we'll be sitting here. Well, Larry will be sitting here with you watching the Giants and the Commanders in the biggest game of the year. And that's really all you wanted if you were a Giants fan before the season. Can I, you know, the fact that the Giants were flexed into the Sunday night game on December 18th, that just shows how good of a job Dayball and Martindale and Daniel Jones and that defensive line and Saquon Barkley. That just shows how good of a job they have all done to put the Giants in this position. Has it been with smoke and mirrors for the most part? Yes. But there was no other alternative. The other alternative was another 4-13 and season. Isn't this more fun? You know, we're sitting talking about... Like Daniel Jones's contract status is going to be a huge offseason question. So will Saquon Barkley's. What will the Giants offer them? Are they going to try to bring them back? Are they going to try to bring one back and not the other? Those are going to be huge questions in the offseason. 
all right, in any other year in recent history, we'd be talking about those questions right now because there'd be nothing else to talk about. You know, if the Giants were sitting there at 3-11 and 11 with four games to go or three games to go, then we'd be talking about their offseason moves, which is what we did in 2021. Now, 2020, the division was so bad that the Giants were in it up until the very end with a record of 6-10. and 10. 2019, it was over early. 2018, it was over early. 2017, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a long time. You know, they went to the playoffs, what, in 2016? They went to the playoffs in 2016. They had to beat Washington the last week. They did. Then they go on the boat trip. They lose in Green Bay. The freaking president of the United States, the last time this team went to the playoffs, was Barack Obama. <laughs> I mean, that's how long ago it's been. I think I had that right. Yeah, it's Barack Obama. That's like three presidents ago. All right, so it's December 11th. They have a huge game next week. They get flexed onto the Sunday night game. And if they win, they're so close to punching their ticket to the playoffs. And after what we saw last week, why can't they win against Washington? You know, Washington's had a nice season, very similar to the Giants. Um... Defensive line, terrific. They've been well-coached since their slow start. Ron Rivera's done a really good job holding that whole thing together. I mean, the whole franchise is a mess. They've gotten some opportunistic play by Taylor Heineke as their quarterback. But as we saw last week, you know, he's not a guy who you go into a game fearing. Now, he's a guy who, if the game is close, he does have a little bit of magic in him where you're concerned that if you let that team hang around, he can make a play, and he is not affected by the moment being too big. And we saw that last week. Fourth and four, he goes for 20 yards, keeps the game alive, marches them downfield. They tie the game. But by and large, the Giants held that offense in check. A couple of boneheaded plays by the Giants, they would have won that game, and things would be a lot different right now. But the important thing to note Going into next Sunday night's game at Washington, the Giants are good enough to beat that team. So the question Giants fans need to ask, and you didn't think it was going to happen today. None of us thought it was going to happen today. Can you find two wins in these final four games? At Washington, at Minnesota, home Indianapolis, at Philadelphia, when they probably have nothing to play for. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. They would if they beat the Chargers. They'd help themselves, too, at 8-4. and four. They've done virtually nothing all night. It's been Tyreek Hill in the second quarter. Miami fumbled the ball. Tyreek Hill picked it up at the 43-yard line and ran it 57 yards for a touchdown. And then on Miami's last drive here in the third quarter, Tua Tungavailoa hit Tyreek for a 60-yard touchdown. And that's been their offense. They have 14 points. That's it. Chargers lead 20-14. to 14. Miami was moving the ball. Tua just took a huge sack. It looked like he lost about 15 yards on that. Chargers are 6 and Yeah, lost 12 yards on that sack. Chargers are 6-6, six and six, and they're a half game behind the Jets. If they win, they'd be 7-6. and six. Jets are 7-6. and six. New England is 6-6 six and six and can get to 7-6 and six tomorrow uh, when they visit Arizona on Monday Night Football. So the 
standings in the in the AFC look like this as far as uh, the playoffs go. Buffalo and Kansas City both win. They're both 10-3. and three. Bills have the tiebreaker because they beat Kansas City earlier this season. The Ravens are 9-4, and four, and they've got the tiebreaker over Cincinnati because they beat them. So they have the three seed locked up. Tennessee is very tenuously holding on to the number four seed, and you have Cincinnati at 9-4 and four, tied in record with Baltimore but not holding the tiebreaker. Cincinnati's in fifth. If Miami wins... They would even Cincinnati and Baltimore with nine and four records, and then it drops to the Jets at seven and six, and then you have New England and you have the Chargers right behind the Jets for that seventh spot. So really, it's shaping up right now a three teams for one scenario. Uh, if Miami loses tonight, it gets a little bit interesting. That opens the door a little bit for a New England or a Chargers or a Jets to catch them. Miami loses tonight. They'd only have a game lead on the Jets, and they play each other one more time, and the Jets have already beaten them. And then the other thing as far as who's in and who's out is the AFC South. Tennessee, and I talked about this earlier, Tennessee 7-6. and six. Jacksonville is 5-8. and eight. Jacksonville's playing some pretty good football right now. Tennessee, which I think you could throw them into the same bucket as the Giants and the Seahawks, where they're really not an overly talented team but they built up a pretty good record based on smart play, based on good coaching. Mike Vrabel's a terrific coach, but there's only so long that you can sustain that. And it's ironic because the Giants beat Tennessee opening day in Nashville for those very reasons. That was actually a game that Tennessee usually wins themselves when they have no business winning that game. Giants went in, they won that game. That jump-started their season. Tennessee was 7-4, and four. Now they're 7-6. and six. They lead the Jaguars by two games. Jacksonville beat them today badly in Nashville, and they play each other once more, I believe, before the season is over. As for the Giants, outclassed by the Eagles. Eagles are 12-1. and one. They clinch a playoff spot. They went to the playoffs last year. They're back in this year. They're the first team in the NFL to clinch a playoff spot. 48-22, to 22, they beat the Giants. It, it felt like they were toying with them. You know, they're up 21 to nothing, and then the Giants catch a break with the muffed punt, and Philadelphia still almost turned it into a first down. They didn't, so the Giants were able to start a drive at the 15-yard line of the Eagles, and they scored a touchdown to make it 21 to 7. It was 27 to 7, and then the Giants scored a touchdown about midway through the third quarter to make it 27 to 14. You're like, okay, you get a stop here. And then you score on the next drive. Now, all of a sudden, it's a one-possession game, and you're in it. Well, the Eagles, when that happened and the Giants pulled to within 13, put the foot back on the gas pedal and completely ran away from the Giants. And ultimately, 48-22 is the final score. So did the Giants not belong on the same field as the Eagles? I mean, it certainly looked that way, especially the Giants as they were constructed today. They have so many injuries. Their secondary is a mess. They do struggle with their run defense. Their offensive line is banged up. Saquon Barkley is banged up. The receiving core is decimated. Still, Barkley, who is the key to this whole thing, it was clearly not 100%, says that the Giants do have the talent to compete against playoff teams. Clearly, they, they did a really good job today. Like I said, they, beat, they whipped our ass. But the reason why I believe, because, one, I know the, the talent and I know the men that we have in our locker room, and I know the, the hard work that they put in and the prep that we put in. And 
Um, we're going through a rough patch right now. We're not, we're not playing well. That's it. It's on us. We got to play better. Uh, but we've showed what we can do. We played against some really good teams early in the season, um, and we beat some really good teams. And that's the reason why we're in this position to be able to put ourselves in the tournament, put ourselves in um, what everyone' goal is, and to be in the playoffs and play meaningful, meaningful games in December. Um, and if we weren't talented and we weren't a good team, you know, we wouldn't be in this, be in this situation. And we are. So now we got to double down, continue to believe in each other. Um, and, you know, it starts with all of us. It starts with myself, starts with the leaders, and get ready to come out this week and get ready for a big game. You know, Barkley is the key to the whole thing. If he's healthy and performing at a high level, that obviously exponentially increases the Giants' chances of winning any game. They have beaten good teams. They beat Tennessee on the road to open up the season. They beat the Packers in London before we realized really what the Packers are. They beat the Ravens at home. They beat the Jaguars on the road. Jags are 5-8 and eight, but coming on strong now. Um... But then in recent weeks against more talented teams like the Eagles, like the Cowboys, like the Lions, like the Seahawks when they were playing well, the Giants have not been able to hang with those teams. Barkley's point is a good one. Yeah, the Giants have beaten good teams, but that was a different Giants team. You know, that was earlier in the season before they had and, and it. Look, part of football is injuries, and every team has them. And the Jets are dealing with their own injury problems right now. And we'll see how that shakes out this week coming out of today's game in Buffalo. Giants are dealing with them. Everyone is dealing with injuries. So you can't really lean on that as an excuse too much. But it is true. The Giants do have an inordinate amount of injuries. And the problem with the Giants is they had no margin for error to begin with. Because of the salary cap situation and the roster being what it is, they, as opposed to you know, an Eagles or a Cowboys team, had very, very little margin for error. You are listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty. On 98.7 ESPN.